um, in our hearts, in our lives. And change is not easy. It is hard. It is difficult. And sometimes change is even, yes, um, painful. And yet, at the heart of what God is wanting to do is to change us, to transform us. Um, some would say he's, he's there to, to renew us, um, to create in us a new spirit, a new heart. He's, he's there to make us into a new creation. He, he is there. The whole idea of discipleship, at the base of it, is G- partnering with Jesus to change. And yet change can be very difficult. So we start every year um, kind of the same way, kind of standing before God saying, God, how do you want cha- us to change us this year? Because if we had a cha- like, we, I hope we all know that we're not close to what God created us to be. Is that, is that fair to say? Like, well, there's, a lo- there's a lot of changes that need to happen in order to be who we were designed to be. And if we had to do that all at once, can you imagine how incredibly painful that was? God sometimes takes time. He, he lets things marinate in our life. He lets things work itself out. And one of the things that we do is slow down and just say, what, not, not what New Year's resolution can you have this year. That's, that's your behavioral change. I'm talking about what, what does God want to change in you? This idea of one word. Spend one year on one thing that God wants to do in your life. And in that year, you will change. And so we have a lot of different words up here. These are only a little piece um, of the words that we uh, people have had. Uh, we've had discipline, follow, um, still, know, um, decide, prayer, dream, um, simplify, weird, go, fruit, control, Courage, and so uh, there's, there's a, and, and very seldom do I come to a bad word. Like someone's like, oh, I have this word. I'm like, that's a terrible word. You know, I, very, se- but I have found one on the screen. I don't know if you watch, look at this the last couple weeks, but my, my daughter and I were looking at this, and, and, and I was looking at it to the left. I'm like, milk. Milk is a one word. is one that I haven't really thought through how you can use to change your life, but maybe someone can make it work. And the other one I found what, repulsive was an interesting one. Um, and I, there's might be a few more. Hit, I haven't used many of those. Some of those are good. But, uh, you know, the, the one words that we choose are really chosen for you. And uh, we want God to work that out in your life. So my, this is my prayer this morning. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to share a message with you um, about my one word. That, that's the privilege of being the pastor here, I guess, is I get to share with you what I'm learning or what I, where I'm at. And hopefully it's, it uh, primes the pump. It gets you started with what God wants to do in your life. And at the end of this service, if God has given you a word either today or this week or last month or whatever it is, he's given you your word, we want you to come up and write it down as a dedication um, of the word to God that you want to partner with him in this change that he's doing in your life. And so we have some Sharpies up here and paper, and so just write write your word down, put it put it up there, and, and we're, we're going to start this year, 2020, um, praying that God does not allow us to be a church that just does worship services, worship experiences, and we, we sing songs, and we be a church about life change. That, that's at the heart of be what we want to do. Um, we'll be in Mark chapter 8, um, verses 22 through 28, and we'll be in some other parts of that. Have you ever heard this phrase? One thing leads to another. One, one thing leads to another. I hope, I hope you've heard it. So this is how that, that phrase works out. This is how it's worked out in my life. So my wife comes to me a couple years ago says hey i have this great idea i'll put a pause so, some of you know where that always ends up i have a great idea i'm thinking we shouldn't go on vacation this year 
we should get a pool for the kids because everyone likes a pool. Everyone likes a hole in the ground with water in it. You know, and, and so I'm like, all right, because my kids are a certain age and I'm sure they'll enjoy it and this is the time to do it and we can use it three months of the year, which is such a great deal. Why don't we get a pool? And so one thing leads to another. So you get the price for the pool. Great, fantastic dollar sign in my head. Right? That's, that's how I think is dollar signs. And, and then it's like, oh, by the way, with the pool, you have to put electric all the way around the pool. You familiar with this thought process? And, and so we get the electrician, and the dollar sign comes in. He's like, oh, by the way, one thing leads to another. You don't have any more space in your circuit board. You're going to have to replace the whole circuit board in order to have a pool. One thing leads to another, which would all dollar signs. Like, all right, we got, to the, we got to the base. We got all that taken care of. And then I start realizing the other cost that, that one thing leads to another, which means chemicals. Like, you have to put chemicals in your pool. And also time, like, my kids aren't going to put, the, you know, skim the pool or vacuum the pool or even sometimes get in the pool when they need to have things done. It's, it's going to be me. And so one thing leads to another. That's how a lot of things are. Think about projects in your house. All right. One thing leads to another. You look around one day and you say, oh, look, a wall. It's simple enough. Let's take out a wall. Let's, let's move a wall. It can't be that hard. All it is a little demolition. All it is is knocking out a few beams. It's all, it's all it is. And one thing leads to another. I, I get to the point where even painting scares me. Because one thing leads to another. Let's, let's paint this room. Painting the room means new carpet. New carpet means new shades and blinds. New blinds and shades means new furniture. New furniture means maybe new family. I don't know how far this goes. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole little circling thing. One thing leads to another. One, so you're probably one of three things, one of three places in your life as you look at your house or sometimes even cars and that sort of thing. Some of you have this list about a mile long that you'll never get to because you're afraid of that phrase, one thing leads to another. Right? You're just like, I was thinking about doing that, but I'm a little afraid of where that could lead, so I'm going to leave that on the list and let someone else deal with it. You just kind of like, you have the same house for 10 years, and you still have that on the list. Some of, you, some of us are like that, right? You're just kind of like, I'm afraid of where that leads. Second person are the people who are like perfectionists. And so they start a project 10 years ago, and they're still sanding the walls because they want it to feel as smooth as possible. They don't want to paint it yet because they don't want to do the three sandings. They don't want to do the six sandings. They want the ten sanding view of it. They, like if, if there's anything out of place, if, if the molding's a little bit, you see a little bit of dark space over it, they got to take it out and put new mold. Like it has to be 100% perfect. Therefore, you take forever in doing any project. There's a few of you like that. Is that a couple of you? One of you. Are like that. There's, there's, there's another group that maybe you feel more like where you're like it's good enough. You, you, you know that group like you're, you're like 80 percent is good enough. Like the corners on the on the moldings don't have to be quite a hundred percent exact. 80 percent is good enough. Like the paint job. Listen, a few drips here and there is good enough. And here, here, uh, this is side note. This is where marriages can be very difficult is when you have a good enough person and a perfectionistic person at war with each other. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough thing. And so you're, you're in one of those. And we get into this miracle of Jesus. And it's a very interesting story, really. It's one of my favorites. 
because it's the one time where Jesus is doing something, and I don't, I don't know if, if it's the one thing leads to another thing. We'll, we'll get there. Or if it just doesn't happen the way he thought it was going to happen, or maybe he's some doing something else, which is probably where it's going to land. But he's like, he gets halfway, and, he, and it's like stuck, or it, it, it stops. Does, does that make sense? Well, let's get into the story, because you'll understand when I get into it. Um, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida. This is him and his disciples. They were traveling a little bit. They came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. All right, why don't we just, we'll stop there, because I want to give you a little background here, and then we'll get to the rest of the, the story. So they're traveling to Bethsaida. Bethsaida is in the top of the Sea of Galilee. It's where some of the disciples were from. It's, it's, it's basically called a fishing village, which means it's not, a, it's not a center of commerce. It's kind of a small little area that Jesus and his disciples traveled to a lot. So they get there, and there's a blind man that's brought to Jesus by some of his friends. I'm guessing some of his friends. They're like, hey, they don't, no name. You know, we don't know anything about this blind man except for one thing. He's blind. He has a need, a deep need, and it's, de- it's really defining his life. It's his identity. Everyone probably, you, kn- you know how your identity works. People are saying, the blind man, the man that was blind, the, mi- the, the man, you know, that, that's how he was defined by people, and that's probably maybe even how he defined himself. And there were some people who, s- who had this faith or this belief that Jesus could do something about it. Now, I want to pause for a second. Even though this is the main part of the message, this is important to hear. Sometimes our faith has deep impact on somebody else. I'll I'll change it a little bit. Sometimes your life has been changed by the faith of somebody else. Like, it's just not our faith that does a work in our life. Sometimes someone else's trust, someone else's obedience, someone else's invitation, someone else's response to Jesus is what transforms us. Like, there's these guys who heard about Jesus and knew that Jesus was coming, and they're like, hey, we need to get this man to Jesus. Their, their faith, their belief, their trust created a, a title. It created a, uh, something that changed everything for this blind man because of they were willing to step. And I, I, I want to just encourage you this morning that this year that you have opportunity after opportunity to let your faith impact somebody else. Let your obedience impact somebody else. Let your step of journeying in life impact somebody else. Your faith has impact not just on you and not just on your, your, your family and not just around the people around you. It, ha- it can have waves of impact all around you if you're willing to step. And these guys were willing to step. And then, so they took him to Jesus. And so Jesus does this. He's like, all right, there's, there's a few people around. I'm, I'm, he's not, Jesus is never about the show. He, he was never about... Come look at me, see me. He, he, sh- he showed off his glory, which means he, he, he wanted people to see his beauty, but he, didn't, he, didn't, he, he sometimes did it in the background. So he takes the guy by the hand because he, he's leading him, he's, he's showing his compassion, his love, and he leads him outside the city with his, his disciples. And so when he gets there, he spits, the, the interesting part of the story, he spits in the guy's eye. Uh, I was going to see who I, <laughs> can I, can I spit? He, he's like, he goes, <laughs> And then, like, put, moves the guy to the right spot. He spits in the eyes, rubs it around, touches the guy. Uh, l- listen, I, was gonna, I have no application for that. I, ha- I really don't know why Jesus chose 
spit. I mean, every one of his miracles is different. Every, every time that God, Jesus does something, it's different. And sometimes in our life, we may not, ever, not understand why he's spitting in our eyes. We, we may not understand why he's doing it his way. We, we may have had a whole different plan for how this was going to work out and how we wanted him to work. You know, we thought we'd get a new job. He just tells you to work harder in your current job. You know, we don't, we don't know how, but, w- but we know he's working. Does that make sense this morning? Like, I don't have an explanation for the spit, but Jesus does. And sometimes we just sit back and say, all right, I trust you. And then we go to this. He spit in the man's eyes, put his hands on him. Jesus, a- by the way, Jesus never asked a question. He knows the answer. He asked questions for us, for the disciples. He asked this question. Do you see anything? How's it going? Hey, it's got to work. You know, it's me. It's Jesus. What are you seeing right now? And so this is what the guy says, the blind man. He looked up. He looks around. He says, he's looking out. He he can probably see him, like, blinking a little bit, trying to see. He says, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Do you see the movement? So Jesus Jesus comes along, and and he spits in the guy's eye, and he goes from blindness, like not seeing anything, like, like pitch black, uh, just kind of like maybe seeing a little little light but not seeing anything. And now he's seeing like, he, he puts on glasses and now all he sees is like, like tr- people look like trees. There's a whole lot of trees. And, and this is where I, this is why the strange, when Jesus did the, the, um, the wine, turning water into wine, you ever notice how perfect it was? Like the Bible says it was, it was the, best wi- the best wine that the, the main guy, the, the, head of the, the head of the banquet ever had. He's like, that was really good. He, he did it perfectly. He, he heals other people, the lame and, and the deaf and the lepers, and everything happens perfect. This one time, he like does it, and it doesn't happen all the way. Do you see that? It's like halfway there. What's going on? What, did, what happened with Jesus that day? Did he wake up on the wrong side of bed? He's feeling a little weak. Did, he, did he, his stomach a little off? He has a little, I, wh- what's going on that Jesus it's the only, that, that I can think of, it's the only miracle that doesn't happen completely right away. And so you, don't you start thinking, like, what, what's going on? His spit was a little off, a little bit too much food in it. His, he missed. He, but, but you ever, you ever read, if you ever know, read about Jesus, you know that everything that he says, everything he does, he does not just for the miracle. He does it for, for us to learn something. He does it for a lesson. And so in the midst of this miracle, so this is what happens next. Once more, verse 25, once more, Jesus uh, put his hands on the man's eyes. Then, listen to this phrase. You can underline this in your Bible. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Second time. Uh, let's try this again, Jesus says. Yeah, let's do the, Let's try it. Let's, let's get this going again. Second time, he goes from blind to blurry to like 2020 vision. Clearly, clarity, everyone like 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 flaw. Like you can see the good things and the flaws in everybody now. Like he, he's like everything. The colors are vibrant. The trees are vibrant. The people are vibrant. All of a sudden, he's moving, and all of a sudden, Jesus is teaching the disciples something. This is what I want you to see. He's teaching that spiritually we all are probably in one of those three categories. There are people walking around who are blind spiritually. They, they, don't, they can't grasp what God is doing. They, 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 don't, they don't see him 
in our world. They don't see how he's working. So they, they, it's kind of like they, they don't see any. They're just kind of walking around. The Bible talks about walking around in the darkness or um, kind of like just wandering through life. Can't, can't even see their way out of a paper. And, and by the way, although it's in the Bible, I think that's, I like, to, I like to show you things that are provable. I think you can show that because when you talk to some people, even if you don't believe in Christ, you can hear the blindness in them. Why, why are you making that decision? It's the stupidest decision ever. I know, but what, why, are you, why are you addicted to that? Do something. Change something. I know, but you, know, you have these people who know that they're just, they, they just keep doing the, the insanity, the stupid things over and over and over again. They, they, they're, they're blind to it. They're blind to the decisions that they're making. It doesn't matter if you're, you're a follower of Christ. We, we can see that in our world. The, the Bible actually talks about this. That This is the phrase, that to a, an unbeliever, to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, there's a veil over their eyes. <clears throat> there's, you, you ever um, see those things at night? Maybe some of you use them, the, the face masks that go over their eyes. I mean, I don't understand it because your eyes should be closed anyway when you're sleeping, but, but you put it over there, and, and it's supposed to be even darker. You know, it's supposed to be, you, they can't, like, they're walking through life with that on. They can't see what God's doing. They can't see the, the goodness of him. They can't see what he's going to do. And then there's other people who kind of see, but they don't see completely what Jesus wants and, and is doing and who he is. They, 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 see it, they see images. They see like broad scopes of it. They, they, but they, they don't see the reality. In the middle of this, the, this story is in the middle of like, Five things that Jesus is like, you're not seeing, to the disciples, you're not seeing correctly, you're not seeing correctly, you're not seeing correctly, here, you need to see this. Over and over, he uses this word sight over and over again. Because a lot of us, we, we have grown up in the church, and we, we've gone to Sunday school, we've heard about Jesus, we, we know this story, we know every other story, and we've, we've wandered through the story of Scripture, and we've seen the flannel grass, we sat in Sunday school, we may even taught Sunday school, we have this, 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 this spirituality about us. We, we, we know how to talk the lingo. We can use theological words. We can, you, know, you, you have this view of spirituality, but you're missing the core piece of it. You're missing big pieces of it. You're, you're, you're walking with some sight, but you're not seeing clearly. Let me just walk through a few of those things. Chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 14. But let me give you a little, little what happens beforehand. Right before this, if you have headings in your Bible, it says Jesus feeds the 4,000 which means 4,000 plus women and children come to Jesus. They're hungry. Jesus has a few loaves and a few fish. He does this incredible miracle. And not only does he supply, he also gives them leftovers. So this, this is the, the um, context of this, the, this next thing that Jesus talks about. The disciples, verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. All right, so, so they're going on this journey. Jesus fed the 4,000, just fed the 4,000, just. They just had seven basketfuls, I believe it was, or 12, one of the two with them. They, they, they had leftovers, and they forgot the leftovers on the table. You ever done that in a restaurant? Like you're going someplace, you forget their leftovers. They forgot seven basketfuls of leftovers on the table. They don't have it. And they get on the boat, and they're like, we don't have bread. And Jesus says, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or the, the Pharisees and the that of Herod. They discussed this with one another. They said, it's because we have no bread. And Jesus is like, deep breath. Why aren't you getting it? That's not, I'm not talking about the bread. This is what he says. Well, you can almost h- hear Jesus like, 
clarifying, like speaking into their life. Why are you talking about the bread? Why, why are you worried about what, what, you're, what you want in your life? Why are you worried about not having enough? Do you still, here's the word, do you still not see? Do you hear that phrase? This is, is going to be the theme of the chapter. Or understand, are your hearts hard? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Do you, have you not been around me for three years? Have you, haven't you seen what I've done over and over again? And don't you remember? Th- this is where he starts asking questions. When I broke the five loaves and the two fish, or the five loaves and the, fi- and the f- for the 5,000, then he says, how many basketfuls did you have left over? They're like, 12. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls did you have left over? They said, seven. Do you still not understand? He's like, he's talking about two different things. He's, he's giving them the same, the same story, the same principle. He's saying, do you not understand? I have taken care of you. I, I have provided for, I'm still, just understand, I'm, I'm going to keep providing for you. I took care of the 4,000. I took care of the 5,000. And we have leftovers. By the way, this morning, you may come in and be worrying about not having enough. And I want to tell you, you probably have leftovers. Right in your house. You can go down to your basement. And there might be boxes after boxes that you moved there that you haven't opened since you moved in. You have an attic that you haven't climbed into that has, like, walls of leftovers. You have a garage that you don't park in because you have walls of stuff. We have all this leftovers, and we're getting worried about the next thing that we don't have. And Jesus is opening their eyes, trying to open their eyes. Don't, don't you see? I have provided, and I have provided more than enough. And this is I'm not talking about my provision. I'm going to provide for you. I'm talking about watch out. Be careful. Keep your eyes open to this. I think it's this word called hypocrisy. He's always talking to the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders, saying, you hypocrites, you, you people who act one way in front of people, but your hearts aren't there. You, you are more generous. You give, you give more than anybody else, but you're not generous. You, you, you do things in front of people, you don't love them. You come to worship, you sing songs, you look great in your gowns, he says. You're, you're like, but he says, you're like empty tombs. You're, you're, you're empty inside. You're, you're, don't watch out, for, watch out for yourself. See, this is what we do. We're very good at pointing out the problems in other people's lives without seeing it in ourselves. Do, do you know what that means? We're very good at saying they're annoying, they're frustrating. They're, they're, they're an idiot. They're, 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 what do they say? They're lacking a tool. They're one tool short of the tool shed. Their elevator doesn't go to the top floor. They're, they're, they're making a stupid decision. We can do this to everybody else. But when it comes to the, the stuff in our life, we, we, we close our eyes. We're standing in front of the mirror. We're like, I don't want to look. I don't want to look. I don't want to see what I see in my mirror. I don't want to look at. We're blind to ourselves. He says, don't be blind to yourself. That's dangerous. That, that's spiritually dangerous he said i want to open your eyes so you can see and maybe the most important one he says right after this scripture of the the healing he talks to his disciples and he asked them uh, probably the most important question about seeing and about what he he wants them to see he's like listen who who do you say that i am maybe i'm gonna change the word for this morning who do you see me being who how, how do you see me uh, bl- think blindness, blurry, clarity, all right? There's something like, I don't even know if he existed. I, d- I don't even know uh, Jesus, Jesus who? There, there's, there's some people that, that walk around in blindness to that. 
Some are, are kind of like these people. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say one of the prophets. Some you can go on. Some say a good teacher. Some say he, he, he's a, a good guy from a long time ago. He, he says some nice things in a book. You know, they, they have some. And then Jesus says, but what about you? Who, who do you see that I am? Who, what do you say that I am? You're the Messiah. He, he, I, I think at the center of our eyesight, of, of how God wants us to see, is our view of him. He can be a good teacher, and he was. Obviously, he was, he was an incredible teacher. But that's not who he is. He's a, he's a Messiah. He's a Savior. He's a transformer. He, he's a life. He, he, he invades our life, and he restores. He renews. He heals. There's a verse that was um, in the Old Testament. Um, he, we're talking to Isaiah. He's talking about the nation of Israel, and then Jesus quotes it in Matthew 13. And I think it will be on the screen. Matthew 13. It says this. Do we do you not have that one? Or you, oh, this is why I speak to them in parables. Th- this is the quote that he's quoting Isaiah. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. He's like walk, people walking around in blindness. People not being able to see with clarity what, what, what God is doing. For this is at the heart of what's happening when we're walking around in blindness. For this, people's hearts have been calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They, ha- they have closed their eyes. And I love this part. This is the part you might want to underline. Otherwise, if they could just see and hear with their ears, it says, I would turn and I would heal them. Understand with their hearts and turn. And I, he says, at the beginning of healing, at the beginning of change, at the beginning of what Jesus wants to do in our life is this idea of seeing clearly <coughs> what he wants for us. Seeing clearly who he is. And the, at the center of, of, his, of this message of what he's teaching through this miracle, it's this. Verse 25, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. That, that's, that's, that's God's work in our life, to help us see clearly. This is, Jesus says this too. He says, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean or makes him sinful. It's, not, it's, not what, it's what comes out of his heart. It's what comes out of his mouth. And he also says, he says, the eyes are the, 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 the entrance into the body. The, the eyes are the most critical piece of that. What, what you see. If your eyes are good, then your whole body is full of light. If your eyes are bad, you can't even see anything. This morning, um, again, what I, what I wanted to tell you is, is my one word, which is clarity. I want to I see clearly. I want to I see clearly who Jesus is. I want to see clearly what he wants in my life this year. I, I don't know what the journey is going to be in 2020. I don't know how it's all going to work out with clarity. But that's my word in, in, I, in my book, this little notebook. I have two things written in it right now. One is my one word, clarity, and I have a few things underneath it. And two, I have this scripture because this last week, I just felt like this is the scripture I was supposed to preach from today. I, th- this is the one, In fact, it's probably my theme scripture for my word, clarity. This, this miracle of Jesus going from blindness to semi-sight to sight. And I don't, I don't know where you are this morning. On the sight scale, but my, my hope and prayer is that you, you seek him and, and, and ask him to open your eyes. Take the veil off. 
Maybe it's, it's something specific in your life, a certain decision you have to make. Maybe it's, it's your view of Jesus. Maybe it's this idea of discipleship. Maybe it's your one word. Um, I'm going to have the worship team come up, and as we close the service today, we have these papers up front with the Sharpies. And uh, we want to just spend some time dedicating our one words, what God wants to do in our hearts um, this year to him. And so what I'm going to invite you to do, we're going to sing a song. I'm going to invite you to come up, uh, write your one word on a piece of paper, and just put it up there someplace. And uh, we just want to take this time to respond to our view of him by giving him this one word that he's given to us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, again, we, we seek you. We seek uh, you for what you want to do in our life. Um, sometimes our sight is not very good. Sometimes we don't see clearly. We don't see ourselves clearly. We don't see you clearly. We don't, we don't see what you want to do in, in us very clearly. This morning I pray that you, cl- you clear all that up with this one word, or at least in one aspect. Um, may we have clarity on that so that we can pursue you, follow you, and let you change our life. And God, we pray that you carry it on to completion in Jesus' name.